Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, one chapter at a time, and we are back in Isaiah, looking at Isaiah chapter 18 here. Still more of these lost chapters, these chapters of oracles against the nations. And we move on to the oracle concerning Cush. That's the title that we have in the ESV. And uh, I was just talking with someone just before we started this morning, and they were saying, Cush, whatever whatever that is. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, well, I mean, you don't think of Cush as a thing um, on the map very easily identified. We're talking about way down south, past past Egypt, um, basically kind of the furthest south that Isaiah and his audience could have really imagined here. So why are we talking about these guys of all people? They seem kind of far removed from things, or are they? Um, Interesting to note that the following chapter that we'll look at next time is the Oracle Concerning Egypt. And we just got done, you know, talking about this Oracle Concerning Damascus, which was up in the north. So... Hmm, he thinks there is a pattern here, but we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, we have as our guest today, Pastor John Schenk, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois, joining us in the studio. Welcome, brother. Good to have you back. How are you doing? Good morning. God's blessings to you. Everything's going well for us. How about yourself? Good, good, good. It's, um, you know, like I was saying, just I forget if it was uh, yesterday or the day before, but just a lot of, you know, good things going on for the Espinosa clan. Our cup runneth over, you'd say. So good things. Praise be to God. And um, hope all is well for you, uh, for you and yours. Yeah, we uh, so in our area of the uh, of the kingdom of God, um Things are going well. We have uh, campus ministry, and so we've got a um, roots conference coming up for our campus ministry groups in um, St. Louis, in which uh, Dr. Uh, Robert um, Weiss is going to be our speaker, and he's going to talk about um, bioethical questions and how Christians uh, are confronted with bioethical issues all the time, and so how do we respond to those um, in a biblical way? Uh, without running from uh, God's natural law and science, um, but doing it in a in a um, in a way that speaks uh, of Christ. So it's it's going to be a, a good uh, good couple of days, Friday and Saturday at the Sem, uh, with uh, a bunch of uh, campus and college students from not just in our area but uh, outside the state. So uh, safe travels uh, to all those who will be traveling to our Roots Conference. Very good. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really cool to be you know, talking about the intersection between faith and and science, theology, really theology and uh, and science. I mean, faith's just everything. But um, you know, I I tell people, you know, theology really has so much to gain from both on the one hand science and then on the other hand art. You know, and I think when things are are working the right way the church is doing a lot in both the sciences and the arts. Um, but when things go wrong, um, I don't know. There's, I guess, a lot of scientific illiteracy and then um, not, not, a lot of, not a lot of pretty things to look at. Um, <laughs> right, right. But, you know, when you have them both, um, you just, it, it's, uh, there's a richness that complements theology. And, of course, today we're going to be looking a little bit more on the artistic side as we continue with uh, yet another poem. It's just poem after poem here in Isaiah, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, both in the sciences and, and in and, uh, 
art, poetry. Our, our God is a God of, of order. He is the one who is over all things. And so, like we were talking about with the conference or um, just understanding God's creation um, and the beauty of God's creation, um, those these things go together. As we, uh, as we rejoice in the redemptive work of Christ, it does... Um, have an understanding in the creative work of, of our Lord too, right? That our Lord created mm. us in order to then also redeem us. And that's the pinnacle of his love. And so as we know that he is a creating God and a redeeming God, um, then we should desire to know about the creation that he desired to redeem our bodies and and how we've been created um, and how we've been made in, in his image and uh, redeemed in his son who became man. The incarnation should should draw us into a desire of of wanting to know uh, of him and his creation. So we should not run away from this or call our people uh, to run away from the sciences, uh, but call them into it uh, with a confessing heart and a uh, and a rejoicing uh, spirit in the Lord, which then also connects to, um, like you said, artwork and um, and poetry, which is our text, of course. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, all these things go together under right. the banner of um, of our God. Right, and, and of course, um, you know, you brought out the redemptive side of it, <clears throat> and you know, redemption is a recreation mm-hmm. um, because in the original. Uh, situation like you can go all the way back to just you know Genesis two and what Adam was doing, you see that God's um, purpose is that humanity would be in a sense you might say scientific and both artistic were there right in the garden. What does God have Adam do? Adam he starts identifying and naming the different animals, you know. And there's um, all the and, classifications, you know. Exactly mm-hmm. classification, right? You go out there and you differentiate things and say, "Oh, this is a different species now, isn't it?" And you look at its traits and its attributes. And so there, there's Adam in a sense being the first scientist, and and there's Adam being in a sense the first poet when he sees his wife, you know, absolutely you poetry right there, right? So you see it all there from the beginning as well. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, and the and poetry that um, that glorifies uh, the handiwork of of God. So they all go together, right? Yeah, it, this yes, is yes. holding all, hands. Both, both of these things, right, to the glory of God, recognizing them as um, whether it's what you're studying or what you're praising in poetry. It's um, what God has made. But lest anyone think that we're just going to talk about Genesis uh, two today, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we should probably go ahead and get into Isaiah 18 here. Um, but as we do, brother, would you say a prayer for us and for everybody listening today? Yeah, let's, let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come into your, um, into your word, we ask for your guidance and strength. We ask you, O oh Lord, in the midst of our own lives, um, uh, that when we face things that, um, uh, the nations that rage and, and the, the, the wickedness of our darkened age, that we may not lose heart, that our, our knees may not be weakened, um, but that we may stand firm upon your word, that we may trust and trust only in you. For you are our creator, you are our redeemer, and in you do we trust. Help us, O Lord, as your people to stand upon that and to proclaim it to the, to the nations in this world in which there is so much darkness, fear, and help us, O oh Lord, as your church, to be a signal light of hope, um, a, a place where uh, we call the peoples into your sanctuary, for it is here 
It is here that your loving kindness is shown in the person and the work of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in him that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. All right. So Isaiah chapter 18, interesting. It it starts off, um, you know, like I was trying to kind of orient us a little bit here. You know, the the last chapter we saw that was a a little bit of a change of pace. We had this two-part oracle that was definitely against Moab in 15 and 16. It was like very clearly depicting, like it named a bunch of cities in Moab, um, to talking about how they were going to be like refugees hiding in Edom and then sending um, requests up to Judah, right? So it's very specifically against Moab. But then last time we had, after that, this oracle, not really against Damascus, but just kind of a Damascus oracle, sort of more against uh, Israel, really, just saying that your fate's going to be like theirs. And so similarly here, there's there's kind of a combination of things going on. On the one hand, it does seem like it is really an oracle against Cush. But on the other hand, like with the oracle of, of Damascus, it's not really just about Damascus, is it? Yeah, and I don't, um, I don't really read it as much as against Cush, but concerning Cush, as 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 you said in the the title that's given, um, because of the uh, in the end the deliverance that Cush is given in the Lord, um, um, because it's going to be the Lord that's going to act. Uh, and these envoys, which we'll get into, um, they are given a, a word to, to trust in, a, a God to trust in. Um, so, yeah. Well, well yeah, let, let, let's, let's just go ahead and read this first part and consider this question here. Is this, is this against? Is it, is it concerning? What do we got? All mm-hmm. right, so let's take a look at these first two verses in chapter 18. ESV here. Ah, land of whirring wings that is beyond the rivers of Cush, which sends ambassadors by the sea and vessels of papyrus on the waters. Go, you swift messengers, to a nation tall and smooth, to a people feared near and far, a nation mighty and conquering, whose land the rivers divide. Yeah, so, I mean, this is our introduction here, talking about Cush and, of, um, of course, uh, probably maybe the first question on everybody's mind is, okay, what's what's Cush? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So with Cush, you know, like you made mention in the beginning, um, if people would just orientate themselves around the Nile and kind of have that in their mind's eye and, uh, and think um, upper and lower. Um, so this is the upper Nile in which there is divides of the river, um, so when we get into these areas talking about uh, divided people, um, this would be the upper Nile in which uh, leading almost all the way to the Ethiopians. And so maybe even um, it has some allusions to talking about um, Ethiopians, which would probably be helpful once we get to the end. So Cush is, um, is beyond where you'd get you know, normally when people think about the Nile, they're thinking about um, Memphis, they're thinking about this um, this Delta area, but go way um, upper area or south, and then you get into Cush and get into uh, leading into the, the, the land of the Ethiopians, which might be a hint, hint towards the end. 
Right. Well, right. So we're talking about even further south, you know, even even further up the Nile, like you're saying. And, you know, this area, yeah, maybe like Ethiopia, maybe like Sudan, um, and mm-hmm. kind of an ancient Modern. term would have been like Nubia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, that's kind of like what we're talking about. And, you know, these people had, um, you know, they were, there was, it's interesting, you know, they're described as, you know, tall and smooth. Um, so, you know, uh, this could be like a couple different things, like, you know, perhaps they're like, you know, just clean shaven or perhaps, you know, we're just kind of talking about, you know, unlike, um, I don't know, like, uh, some, some different ethnic groups are a little bit hairier. Some maybe there are, are just actually like smoother a little bit. Um, but like, it's kind of a faraway place, you know, what we're talking about this faraway place where things look different things, um, things go differently and they have these these swift vessels of papyrus, these very light vessels that are going to go across, um, you know, from kind of the, uh, the African side to the Middle Eastern side to, for the, for the purposes of communication. Um, so, you know, we kind of have all this in view. The, the question, as, as we were just talking about in the beginning here is, is this an Oracle that's against them or kind of concerning him? And, and, the question really kind of maybe hinges on what you make of that first word. Is it ah, or is it woe? Mm-hmm. And I go with uh, more Kyle Dalish and some of the others uh, that lean towards this being um, in the same, in the same root word as a woe, but you can say woe in different ways right? Woe to you who are fearing, but the end result is an encouragement. And that's what will, so you have to use the context of what is actually said to inform you of how to understand that word. Um, Because then what are they given? Um, They're given a word to hope in. And by the end, um, they will glorify the Lord because of what the Lord himself will do. Um, Well, yeah, you make a good you make a good point um, in terms of we, we've seen this. If there's an oracle given against somebody, it's a question what they're going to do with it, right? Because mm-hmm. we've we've seen oracles that are sort of you know against Egypt or against Assyria, um, and it's or against Babylon. It's like this is just what's going to happen. It's going to be bad. On the other hand, we've we've talked about you know God sent Jonah to Nineveh. You know, and what did he say? He probably said, you know, woe to Nineveh, right? Probably right. maybe used that word. But it was that they would repent, right? And that good things would happen. So even if you translate it as woe, you have to, as you said, interpret it in the context here. I, I do think that um, it is woe in the sense of um, something negative. I don't think he's saying like, ah, you know, like, Man, don't you love it back uh, down south where it's hot and humid and full of bugs? Because <laughs> that's kind of actually what he's saying here. You know, he's not exactly like the most positive description of it. Um, but it, it, it's not that God dislikes it because it's, um, you know, like the weather's like Houston or something like that. But because, um, well, you know, like basically all the nations of the earth, they need to repent and they need to turn to the knowledge of God and stop resting on themselves and that's what we see in verse three then, right? Because there's this turn there kind of like everybody else in this respect and they, they need to repent like everybody else. Right. Um, I would, uh, I would agree. And then, um, and then there's some, you know, when you talk about the, the wings language, how to actually interpret that. Is this really about 
bugs or are we, like you said in the beginning, are we dealing with poetry and are we dealing with a, um, a repetition here, which normally Hebrew poetry has. So are we dealing with um, just talking, because I, I don't view it as a negative word about bugs per se, but about um, the people uh, in their vessels. So they are a, a vesseling people. That's what we have in the second mm. part, right? Mm-hmm. So if you understand that, this also can be the sound that's made by the seas. That can be about the um, the uh, the understanding of them being a, a sea or a, a river people, a boat people who are mm. coming uh, as ambassadors to to Israel with fear. So woe to them who are fearing, right? Because what, like you said, there is a, there is a sense of, um, they're not right, right? They're not right in their fear, uh, but God is right in his deliverance and his deliverance is greater than their fears. So then the word that comes back to them is a word of encouragement that as they sought, um, counsel or ambassadorship in, in, um, in Jerusalem, and that may be some of our, our confusion about Israel and the divided kingdom and who's being talked about against in certain places and who's being delivered and others that some of our modern English ears, we, we kind of forget the history of Israel and the divided kingdom and, and Jerusalem and, and all this stuff that happened. Um, but eventually, eventually what seems slow was God's deliverance for Jerusalem and Judah, which has a benefit for Cush, which then is delivered to them, which has um, an immediate context or soon sooner context. I, I don't know how immediate it is. It doesn't really give us the, the time frame of the uh, prophecy here. How long was it until Sennacherib right. comes and, mm-hmm. and how long do we have, you know, if people want to kind of see that, you know, take a look at Second uh, Chronicles uh, 32 and they start understanding that, you know, this is, this is real. This isn't, uh, their fears are, um, in some ways, right in the sense that this is a bad guy and a bad nation and they do bad things, but their fears are wrong because they have not trusted in God's promises. And even the nations, um, they received promises in the Lord because of the promises given through uh, his people uh, that they would be blessed. Right, and that's that's a pattern that we we keep seeing here. How you know in the more in the oracle against Moab, like well, you know they end up um, seeking refuge in Edom and ultimately in Judah, which is only a blessing for them, you know, and for anyone from Moab who ends up joining themselves to the people of God. Of course, you know, big example we we kept uh, mentioning was Ruth, right? Right. Or even in the case of um, you know Damascus, that there would be a remnant. And that remnant, you know, perhaps like the remnant in the northern kingdom of Israel, might repent and even find itself going down to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover with Hezekiah. So, yeah, there, there's through all of these judgments of the nations, there is this hope. Um, it's unclear exactly what at, at what stage there's. I don't know how much you get in Scripture that specifically talks about repentance on the part of Cush, but, you know, perhaps still, I mean, I, I am thinking about, you know, um, later, I think you do get some diaspora going on and you do wind up with um, Judeans going south into Egypt and perhaps even as far as Cush. And so 
there might be a situation where, you know, later on you actually do get an, an a good positive influence mm-hmm. um, way down south. So yeah, but th- those are those are all those are all important important questions, good questions. Um, I think that uh, I'm, I don't I don't know if I'm going to let the insect thing go. I think I think that as far as the the poetry goes, I mean you're right that you got to look at the how the lines work, and I think that's the more important question. Um, it's not really so much whether he likes the bugs or not. The question is each of these half lines. Do they repeat the same idea? Because that's one of the modes of poetry that you get like all the time, right? Like um, a really great example of that is in, um, you know, Psalm 18, right? Where it's just, there's all these different restatements about, you know, um, you know, like uh, smoke goes out from his nostrils and flames and coals from his mouth. And like, it's kind of this, this sort of like amplifying um, repetitive poetry. This seems to be here, and this is the more important thing, is a it's more of a it's less repetitive and it's more complementary right and so you see that in verse one you know whirring wings beyond the rivers of cush so you kind of got what's going on there and then where it's located um and then verse two the first part um sends ambassadors by the sea in vessels of papyrus um on the waters so i mean that's a little bit closer to a repetitive idea um, but but it's still a little bit distinct still because we're talking on the one hand about the actual people and then the actual things. And then the next line, um, swift messengers go, and then, well, where will they go? To a nation tall and smooth. And so there's this, there's this complementary thing. And so that's, I think, the thing we need to keep our eyes open for when we look at to verse 3 and onward. How do the lines complement? And, and they, they keep going kind of step by step. So... That's kind of a long way of saying maybe we should actually just read verse three and see what sense we can make of it. What do you think? (laughs) Sounds good to me. Okay. So here's verse three then. All you inhabitants of the world, you who dwell on the earth, when a signal is raised on the mountains, look, when a trumpet is blown here. Yeah. And I feel like that's a verse that, that maybe kind of splits the difference a little bit. Don't you think? Um, inhabitants of the world dwell on the earth that's kind of um yeah that, that is actually fairly repetitive i have to give you that one um when a signal is raised on the mountains look when a trumpet is blown here that that's that's a little bit more of the complementary thing in terms of there's a an audible and a visual component but either way what sorts of signals are these um so i th- i believe that there is going to be there's and again if you take a look at second chronicles 32 there is an immediate reality in which the people are act there is going to be an action of the people of thanksgiving in which there is tribute brought back so um there is a, a historical record from chronicles of of what is going to happen to Sennacherib and to the into his warring party and then um i would point us forward though not to lose um that that there is a salvific message here as well that could easily be lost um but there will be one even greater um and a greater one greater foe death devil sin and then there is a greater victory upon a mountain and a greater uh signal that goes out to all the nations so i 
I, I don't want to lose the connection to the historical realities that are here, which then the Bible picks up and gives to us, right? Um, and that even, you know, Psalm 68 speaks of. There, there is a, a rejoicing of Cush, uh, Ethiopians that come back and, and do give tribute, and, and that, that's recorded in Scripture itself. Um, but I would point out, too, that I, I think this is a, a time in which we're seeing a victory that speaks to a far greater victory. Right. We, have, we want to maintain both here, and it's um, by maintaining both that actually you, you see that second greater one more clearly. Amen. Um, that second one gets out of focus when you don't kind of have your feet on the ground and understand what the, you're talking about in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what we should we should keep developing that thought, but we got to go into a short break here. So everybody hang with us here. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 18, this Cush oracle here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Starting last year, Planned Parenthood began a stealth building project near St. Louis. Using a shell company to hide its true purpose, the 18,000 square foot abortion facility opens this month. How did it happen and what can pro-life forces do is the topic of this week's World Lutheran News Digest, Wednesday at 2.30 and Saturday at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 18 here, talking about Cush. You know, what? Where, what Cush, what's that? You know, we were just saying it's it's down south, probably think of the names of like Ethiopia or Sudan, you know, down south of Egypt. And we're here to, joined by our guest, Pastor John Shank in the studio, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. And so we're looking here um, at this at this oracle. And, you know, with all of these things, when you get all these different place names that you're maybe not, you know, as familiar with, or um, I'm hoping that Pastor Shank can talk a little bit more about the part of Second Chronicles that he was thinking about. You see these sorts of connections in the historical books that maybe might be obscure. You know, go ahead. If you have a question, give us a call. If you're in St. Louis, you can call 314-821-0850. Or you can also call, and everyone else, you can also call 1-800-730-2727. Or you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. So, yeah. Um, so, brother, I was I was hoping that you might 
um, kind of flesh out the historical situation for us a little bit, because, you know, we've had kind of like a clearer idea of what's going on, I think, when he's talking about stuff further north, when he's talking about, you know, Assyria and Damascus and Moab. It's like, yeah, well, we know what happened there. You know, the Assyrians came in, they wiped everybody out. They replaced the rulers with their own little puppet guys, and they wanted to do the same thing with Judah and Jerusalem, but they were unable to. And so we've kind of like kind of gone over this history a few times now. But now that we're all the way down south, it's kind of like, well, what are the historical connections? And so you were saying something about Second um, Chronicles and maybe how that relates to um, either the envoys or the tribute that we're going to get to. Yeah, so in Second Chronicles, it's, it's, um, it's after Israel, so the northern kingdom has fallen, and now Sennacherib, uh, the Assyrian king has sent in and invaded uh, Judah. And and now that he's in Judah, in which Jerusalem is in, in Judah, if you, people kind of understand what, what we're talking about here. Right. Um, and then Sennacherib, he uh, blasphemes God in, 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 in uh, horrendous ways in which he... Uh, he stands out, and he's uh, there. His armies are besieging uh, Jerusalem, and he's calling the people to turn a bit, uh, against um, Hezekiah, the king of Judah, as they are um, within the within Jerusalem. And he's laying out, saying, uh, "You know, he's conquered, and his fathers have conquered all these lands, and none of their gods were able to stop him, and uh, this god won't be able to stop him either." And so he. You know, he horribly blasphemes uh, the name of the Lord, and yet the Lord um, is faithful to God's people, and he does deliver them. The uh, The angel of the Lord goes out and he strikes down uh, the commanders of the armies and um, of uh, the Assyrians, and they're sent back. And um, as you get down to um, verse 23 of Second Chronicles uh, thirty. Uh, Second Chronicles uh, 32, uh, this is what is said after uh, the armies are sent away and, and Israel is saved by the hand of the Lord. Many brought gifts to the Lord of Jerusalem and precious things to Hezekiah, king of Judah, uh, so that he exalted, he was exalted in the sight of all nations uh, from the time onward. And if you would look also at uh, so that's second chronicles 32 uh, verse 23 talking about when when the lord delivered um jerusalem it also had an effect on other nations so if you're if you know how um judah is, is set up you know they would have to go through judah to get to egypt they'd have to go through judah to get to eventually to get through uh ethiopia kush um, so once they are, um, the armies are defeated and sent back home, it's not right. only deliverance for the people of Jer- Jerusalem and Judah. This was a deliverance for these other nations too. Um, and they recognize it. They recognize it. It's not something they did, but the word of the Lord that came out through the prophet Isaiah long, you know, before I would say before, I, I guess I can't say how long because it's not mentioned, but uh, before this all took place, um, and the Lord is mentioning s- some slowness here, or um, uh, some mystery, uh, some his actions are his doing, right, and in right. and of his timing, which we'll get to. Um, 
that the the nations recognize who should they give thanks to, and they give thanks to the Lord, the one true God. And um, Hezekiah is blessed by that. In um, in Psalm sixty eight uh, thirty one. It talks about that tribute. Um, so if uh, I'll read it here. Nobles yeah, sure. uh, shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. Um, so when the Lord delivers, um, there's a recognition by Egypt, by Cush. And I, I, maybe I can mention here that Cush, um, they actually are, are ruling Egypt, the the peoples have kind of taken over the the um, the one who is Pharaoh over Egypt in the time of Sennacherib is a is a person that's not who we when we think of uh, Egyptians um, mm-hmm. they're not he's not of that nationality it's it's Egypt right. uh, but the ruling party is not um, what we would have considered. Egyptian. Um, So um, these peoples are recognizing who is the one who we should give thanks to. And then they do, which I, again, we recognize the historical action, which um, we glorify God in it. And then we see, oh, wow, is there, is there a, is there a Passover connection here? Is there a a Mm -hmm. victory of our Lord connection here? Um, Because there is a victory over the nations, but the nations who are unbelieving, who blaspheme the name of the Lord, they're a, um, um, uh, you know, they're, they're just a representative of the one who is ultimately the blasphemer of God, who is defeated by Christ by Christ outside on the mountain and that uh that triumph goes out to all nations and we're all gathered in. So yeah. Right. Yeah, no, so thanks. That really does help kind of just kind of put the pieces here together. It, it's um it reminds me of you know we're gonna and we're gonna see this later on in Isaiah. I think um yeah I think it's like closer to like the thirties here. You you get more of these more of these oracles that are particularly pertaining to Egypt. And of course, next time on Isaiah 19, we're going to see this about Egypt. But you get more of this stuff like Isaiah 31, for example, woe to those who go down to Egypt. And and, um, it, it it is woe again. Yeah. Right. But it's not it's not on Egypt per se, um, but it's like really on this kind of pro-Egyptian idea here yeah, um, that they would make an alliance with Egypt. Because as you were just pointing out, this is what's going on at the time. There's all these, like, the things are kind of getting blurry and things are kind of people are making alliances left and right. And um, just as you were saying, you know, um, just as how it can happen, like for instance, it happened in the day of our Lord, right? When um, when you had the Herods, right, ruling over Jerusalem and, and Judah. I mean, they weren't actually even, you know, ethnically Judean, but right. you know, there there they were still, <laughs> right? Um, you know, kind of installed in that way. And so you can have similar situations down in the south. And so all this talk of you know envoys and ambassadors and um, all this that we see here in Isaiah eighteen. What's it talking about? Well, it, it's just probably, as you were saying, it probably has to do with um, the big siege that um, Sennacherib's going to come and bring to the door of Hezekiah. It seems like it's probably this kind of wheeling and dealing um, that Hezekiah was uh, foolishly getting himself involved in, mm-hmm. trying to make deals um, with with Egypt and with Cush to try to form some kind of anti-Assyrian alliance. Um, Because, you know, as soon as it became clear that Assyria was not going to be content just to kind of, you know, 
do Judah a favor. <laughs> world domination, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're on they're on world domination here. They're not just going to, you know, take out the northern neighbors and just kind of leave you be. No, they're coming for you too. And yeah. so and so he goes down to the south thinking, "Oh, well, they're going to help me out." And so this this oracle in that way seems to be um yeah, like pronouncement of woe, but not in the sense of like, you know, because Egypt and Cush are going to get destroyed or something by the Assyrians, though there is going to be some conflict and, and um, they aren't going to lose all, they aren't going to win all their battles. That's, right. that's for sure. And let me be um, clear, the commentaries that I was reading, uh, a few different ones, um, as they talked about the embassies that were coming from Cush going to uh, other nations, mm-hmm. um, most likely as they were pointing out they were trying to muster up the militia. They knew right. uh, the, the the bad guys are coming. If we can muster up militias, this is going to be our salvation. So I'm not saying that they're right. And I'm not saying they're not needing a word of correction, but the word of correction that they do get ends up being a great word of comfort of salvation, which God um, procures. So that, I'm not saying that they were right in what they thought would be their hope. So these mighty warriors, as we kind of mentioned before, and mm-hmm. other nations speak about, uh, you know, their height and their might and all that. Exactly, That's not exactly. going to be their salvation. So, yeah, of course, I, I believe that is a corrective word. But in his word of correction, he calls them back to hope in him. And in his action. Right. Well, and, and that's, and I think, I think that's the big thing which gets you to the tribute that we're going to see later because, yep. you know, here they are thinking as you're saying like, oh yeah, we're, we're tall and strong and, and you know, everything else. Right. But then when Judah survives the siege, right. Yeah. Kind of, um, I mean, to everyone else, I mean, I think, I, I think, I think, I mean, Judah knows it's, it's by the hand of the angel of the Lord that like we talked about, it's, it's calamity. It's like a second Passover, um, it is another work of God where, you know, he passes over striking Judah with whatever infirmity or disease or calamity it was. And instead it only goes onto the Assyrian army um, that they see that that's what's going on. But it seems that the, the nations understand it too. And they understand like, whoa, the only way that they were able to survive where everyone else was taken over was that their God defended them. And so the natural response would be, um, from places like Cush to come and bring tribute. I yeah. mean, because I mean, what I mean, what are they saying? They're saying like, "Wow, we're we're acknowledging here that yeah, your God protected you from the Assyrians, and uh, please don't sick your God on us." <laughs> yeah, it's like they're <laughs> singing the Te Deum, right? They're coming to the understanding that you are the Lord. You, yes. Wait a second, because I mean, these aren't. F- these are ambassadors. These aren't yeah. foolish people. They can count. <laughs> so they can know, you know, um, as we're counting here, we, we kind of hope that you, 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 give, your, you give your all. <laughs> but um, they were probably, if, they, if they're any other kind of uh, warring people, could understand that this people is going to get wiped out. But hopefully right. they put up some fight. They don't right, just right, give right. up mm-hmm. uh, because then they will thin out and then we might be able to stand. But... How did they beat the Assyrians? Exactly, they exactly. couldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. It was in you know, and and um, the word that they get, and let, well, obviously we need to read it, um, is a word that God's going to take care of this, and then He did. Right, exactly. Well, yeah. Let's go. Let's go ahead and, and read this part here. Um, let me see. We let, we read through verse three here, so let's Correct. read the next uh, few verses here, starting in verse four. For thus said the Lord to me. I will quietly look from my dwelling like clear heat and sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. 
For before the harvest, when the blossom is over and the flower becomes a ripening grape, he cuts off the shoots with pruning hooks and the spreading branches he lops off and clears away. They shall all of them be left to the birds of prey on the mountains and to the beasts of the earth. And the birds of prey will summer on them and all the beasts of the earth will winter on them. At that time, tribute will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth, from a people feared near and far, a nation mighty and conquering whose land the rivers divide, to Mount Zion, the place of the name of the Lord of hosts. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, it, it's, it's so interesting, right? How at the very beginning, and this is, this is a nice poetic feature too. Isn't it? It's amazing. That you, that you get that in, in verse seven you get the same part, the the people tall and smooth, feared near and far. You get that same part that was at the beginning, um, because you saw that in verse two, and here it comes back at the end, right? Um, right. And then, so it's that kind of po- poetic um it's like a you know, book ending. Like what's mm-hmm. what's the what's the word? Chiasm's one of them, but there's another one where you kind of end up in the I forget, I feel like I'm back in uh, A P English. Is what's the term for that? I, I, I would lean to your first word. I see it, you know, it is a, a chiastic construction yeah. in which uh, I, yeah, we have chiasm. this. Chiasm, chiasm works anyway. anyway. Yeah. Um, there, there's a, there's another, there's another word for it too. If like, if it's like parenthesis or something mm-hmm. else, but, but yeah, so you start, you kind of start at the, um, at one point and you kind of go and end up back there, but you do it with a change. Right. And, um, the other change that you see there too is is and this is a big one you get lord of hosts mentioned twice um because it's when the angel of the lord comes and shows up and the, you know the angel of death and he strikes the assyrians down against the odds like you were saying right you know th- those those uh you know ambassadors from cush they were like there's no way they're going to survive but but then when the angel of the lord shows up they're going to say whoa this name of the lord he really is the God of armies, you know, he really is the one who can make an army like nothing. And so, um, there, there's the recognition that he's going to be confessed to be Yahweh Sabaoth. Amen. Yeah. And that, um, you know, when we see it, it is like poetry within poetry. It's like, uh, um, the structure of it, you know, this is why the, the word of the Lord is even studied in secular settings, for the beauty, right, and uh, the amazement, and we 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 know the Lord, the Lord still works uh, to bring them to an understanding and and to see. But um, yeah, God's God's hand here of of beauty within an oracle of deliverance. Um, it shows uh, it shows He knows what He is doing when He lays down His um, His prophecy uh, through Isaiah. And the word that that He says is, I mean, it speaks to us today. You know, there are you know, later on, Kip was talking about how he's going to be talking about um, the rea- the realities that um, our my area of the country, um, Southern Illinois, is facing with this uh, huge abortion clinic. It's a, it's oh. like abortion factory. It's yeah. so disgusting yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that was placed in secret, and amazing amazing strategy that was used so that the word of the Lord could be silenced. And yet there are so many working. Even of today, there is a rally in a few different places um, to to speak God's word, um, to rejoice in His deliverance, and to proclaim that um, that. 
the work of the Son of God uh, to those who feel that they have no hope. Um, so the, the, it is, you know, we can feel like there are... Um, there are things bigger, and they are bigger than us. And uh, mm-hmm. evil is, uh, we would not be able to stand against our fall. We were enslaved. We were dead in sin. And yet it is the Lord, our God, who conquered uh, for us and on our behalf mm-hmm. and gives us that victory and gives yeah. us life. And that's what we see. I mean, it's the same Lord who works individually here in this time and in this place who worked um, uh, his salvation for all in the person of Christ. So he looked down, you know, as you read verse uh, four, he looks down, he sees. There are often a time where we feel like God cannot see or he, um, these things are going on outside of his uh, watchful eye. And yet here in this historical account, he saw and his presence uh, was there for the people. And yet in, in the proper time, uh, you know, another allusion to the sending of the son in this proper time. He works uh, to prune and to cut and to, to strike down and the destruction of of the one who stood opposed to God and to uh, blaspheme his name. He will be laid waste. This is not going to stand. And, and so there is great comfort we can have in our own time that there are many who would uh, speak a word of lies and speak out against God's name and his ability to save and defend us, um, who would mock the people of God that our hope should be in him. And yet in the end, we know, um, we know that the Lord is clear. He is victorious and his victory will be something that every knee shall bow and heaven on earth and everyone will declare uh, that Jesus is Lord. So we can hope in that yeah. even today, right? Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's um, it's something, you know, there is something that's that's in the in-between as well. It's not, you know, just, um, you know, like the, this kind of, you, we used the pass, word Passover before, right? Which is, which is the, which is the really cool thing because there's, there's this original Passover, right? That you have um, out of Egypt. There's this second Passover that happens um, with the siege of Assyria. Um, you know, you can kind of see that kind of maybe like there's even a, in a sense a, a third one, like a third exodus when they come out of Babylon um, with the decree of Cyrus, right? right. Um, and, and then there's yet another one which happens in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's, I, I think, you know, when, when our Lord comes, um, you know, onto the scene at the, you know, as, as we mark it about, you know, two millennia ago, it's it's interesting how you know what what starts off as this little tiny band of of disciples right you know um i mean like a small little group like a, a small splinter group among the different uh, movements that were going on in Judaism in Judah which is again just a small little province right just kind of sandwiched between superpowers it seems all the time right and and um the i think i feel like the the against the odds story of Christianity, um, kind of similar to this against the odds story um, that w- that we have here. That you know that how the um, ambassadors of Cush just are having to come to grips with this and saying, "Wow, it's it's crazy. How on earth did they survive the Assyrians? Well, how on earth did Christianity right survive the Romans? I mean, I mean that's that's really the thing that you see that that's just uh, amazing that you know you get this little you know this little band of you know fishermen right basically, um, and and they go 
And they somehow, first of all, the big thing is they start this movement and it takes over like Jerusalem. And there's like a huge chunk of Jerusalem there, Christians worshiping in the temple, thousands of them. Um, and somehow, even after the destruction of, of Jerusalem, after the scattering, you've got Christians all over the empire worshiping in secret. It's illegal persecutions being thrown to the lions. They're worshiping in the catacombs. And eventually, it's like Christianity just takes over the whole Roman Empire. I mean, so it's um, it's another one of these stories you know, kind of, you know, in our own history that we've seen that when people try to put down the church, God just doesn't let it happen. No. Yeah. And, and yet, some of the strongest times for the church is when outwardly and physically, um, militarily, um, they, the church... Uh, appears the weakest. And, and that's when our trust is solely in the Lord because we can't trust in ourselves. Sometimes our weakest spiritually has been when we've been the strongest physically or militarily when we thought we could trust in our might and um, we'll defend the, you know, the, the, uh, the Lord, like he needed to be defended right. by us. Well, yeah, no, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, exa- exactly. Right. Cause things, I mean, looked really good, right. Under Uzziah and Jotham and Ahaz, right. Um, but that's when things spiritually were bad, oh, horrible, right? And and this is this is kind of the 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 meaning of that phrase, you know, my strength is made perfect in weakness. That you know, God's strength is made complete in our own weakness because when we are weak, it's just obvious to all that He is the one who's responsible for salvation. Then when we can't take any of the credit that's when all the credit and all the glory goes to God. And so when they come and they bring tribute from Cush, I mean, it's it's really, it's not because, you know, oh, Hezekiah, you, you're you such did an it. amazing <laughs> king. You Only you can figure out how to weather a siege. You're a genius. Right. Um, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, maybe some of that was going through their minds, but ultimately, right, the glory is going to God. Like, hey, you have a God who can save you, mm-hmm. even against the Assyrians. That, no, that's something we didn't think was going to happen. And then for us, you know, just... There is something to the weight of our Christian tradition that, you know, despite all the persecutions that Christianity and the church has endured, you know, I mean, this is, this is the, this is the, the glory that the saints give to God, um, that the martyrs, the martyrs, I mean to say, have given to God that, you know, God has just preserved us against all the odds. Yeah. And as you said, the, the power of God is made perfect in weakness. And I think we have to take that. Uh, as I know you believe in, and we confess together that they got to take that all the way to, to Jesus, right? The weakness, mm-hmm. the apparent weakness of yes. our Lord Jesus, how he humbled himself and how he took on our sins and how he, the apparent weakness of the cross and right. um, the uh, um, the apparent weakness of one who is willing to lay down his life for another in the world's eyes. That is amazing weakness. What a, f- right. you know, the world was thinking, what a fool, right? Well, I mean, it's it, the world's thinking like, oh, I guess it's just another failed Messiah, another yeah. false Messiah. Like we keep having these, like, it seems like every, you know, 10 years or something, you know, the Judeans come up with another would-be king to challenge the Romans. And here, look, another, another one has been executed by the Romans, and you know, yet, which is though, kind of like, you know, nothing's going to come of this, but it's in, what appears to be dismal failure, victory. Absolutely. Yeah. I, the the one who thought he could um, be victorious by death was destroyed by the death of the one who is life himself. 
Um, so yeah, it looks like a, an amazing weakness. And here, his people, uh, uh, you know, were being mocked and um, lied to by a false king about what God, the true king, could do. And and yet it took that same God who comes into our flesh in the weakness of our flesh um, to conquer the one who appears to be mighty. And, and yet he is truly weak compared to the one, the one who's, who is victorious in what looks like weakness. You know, I wonder if that's what's going on in those middle verses that we didn't really pay much um you know, much attention to like in the middle section, kind of talking about you know, like the 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 harvest when the shoots and the pr- it gets gets yep. lopped off right by the pruning hooks, and they're all left on the mountains. You know, is is this is this a indication of you know when 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 they do stand withstand the siege, um, and there is all this devastation that it's like this is an image of the Assyrians being lopped off and just left there on the mountains of Zion, the <laughs> mountains of Judah. Um, and they have to go home um, and they can't even like, you know, kind of like, you know, I, I guess kind of bring back everybody no. and all of their stuff yeah. because they're they're just getting wiped out. Is is that like the, the reversal there? It is. Yeah. In the midst of what Sennacherib thought was the height of his um, strength. Right. And it. It is what is the height of his strength is the beginning of his folly, right? right. And so the height of the 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 grape to then just about produce uh, the 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 you know the grape on the vine right, right before it's exactly. cut, and that just shows like you know in the in the perfect timing of God, um, he brings about the deliverance of his people, and so um, you know when the the fallenness of man reaches reaches its height, he then acts and brings about the deliverance of his promise. So, um, yeah, I definitely see it that way. Yeah. And then that, uh, definitely amazingly, uh, proclaims Christ. And then I would say, Absolutely. you know, as we talked about how, um, this whole section points ahead to Jesus, I would say, just look, you know, there is a tribute brought, uh, in the immediacy, but then just, you know, you don't have to go far to look to Acts and see the Ethiopian mm-hmm. eunuch, yep. Yep. uh, rejoicing. And so it's not just, um, it's not just gifts that are the tribute, but it's the Ethiopian, it's the Cushite himself. It's, uh, who is yeah. rejoicing. Yeah. Yes, right. A- A- Amen, brother. Well said. Hey, always love having you on. Um, great looking at this short little poem here. Uh, looking forward to next time. Thank you. Everybody, that was Pastor John Shank, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Yeah, just, just like how, you know, the, the siege was broken. It was, you know, on Mount Calvary, right, that the siege of death and Satan was broken. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and we thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Check them out at lhfmissions.org. Till next time, everybody, peace. The official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.